to The Trumpet, the official podcast of Elephant Room Productions. As always, I'm your host, Robert Jean Pelleccio, and I am rejoined again by our executive director, Phil Zechner. Hi, Robert. Thanks for coming back on today. Thank you. Well, I'm, um, so, uh, like some of our other company members, Phil wears many, many hats in our company. Uh, Phil has been gracious to be on the program before, but now, uh, the long-promised episode I... Uh, plugged in December. Um, now we have him on not just as the executive director capacity, but we have him in his playwriting capacity. So thank you for coming on yeah, as that. Of course. Um, so apologies for the break of this. We've been very busy at uh, ERP. Uh, but uh, last was it November or January? When did we do? Um, when did we do punk rock? Uh, the reading for that was back in. December, I believe it was. So this is a long overdue so what's that, discussion. Seven months now. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. So uh, yeah, we we always get there in the end. Um, but before we go specifically into punk rock, um, can you talk a little bit about your specific theater background and what led into playwriting? Sure. So um, my background in theater goes back nearly fifteen years at this point. It's been quite a while. Um, you know, did high school productions all throughout high school and middle school, um, and then went to Bloomsburg uh, University of Pennsylvania, where I studied theater, and that's how I met most of these wonderful people over at ERP. Um, and my time at Bloomsburg has really shaped a lot of who I was. Um, it was kind of my fir- first exposure to really figuring out how to how to write plays um, and what makes a play interesting, what makes uh, what I like in plays. Um, and I think with the first production that I helped devise, uh, called, uh, what was it? Wonderment. Um, that was kind of my first venture into playwriting. And of course I had a number of other people helping me with that, um, coordinating and writing for that as well. Um, Donovan Krebs, our company brewer did help write a portion of that as well. Um, cause he's, he's a wonderful human being. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But then I think I think the really the the biggest influence for me that kind of really grabbed my attention to playwriting was um, the following year after I graduated from Bloomsburg University, I spent a year as an intern over at the Bloomsburg Theater Ensemble, um, and that year we were charged with making our an original tour um, about a. a, a a historical figure um, and we decided to do Benjamin Franklin so that kind of led me down a journey of getting to know Benjamin Franklin and my love for Benjamin Franklin and I think that's one of the reasons why I ended up here in Philly because um, I couldn't quite leave that man behind uh, <laughs> but during that process we uh, myself along with a team of I believe three other individuals um, Elizabeth Dowd Andy Hubachek and uh, Sophie Schulman we uh, wrote and and of course with the help of Michael Yurgis and uh, Ani Kirchner, um, we wrote this, created this, and then we went on to tour it for twelve weeks, um, making it one of the longest running tours that the Bloomsburg Theater Ensemble has ever done. Um, so that was really exciting, and I think that's kind of like what drove me to continue writing more. Um, and then along with that, I found that it just helped me work out some things. Uh, I find that I write about things that I 
don't necessarily have a complete understanding of. Right. Um, hmm. I, I find that I'm constantly wanting to get more information about a topic, about a subject. Um, has that ever uh, has that ever hindered you in writing? Uh, a, a, I don't want to say lack of knowledge. It sounds negative, but a um, just that need to find more information about a subject. Have you ever reached a point in your writing where you've just writing about the subject itself hasn't filled those gaps? Absolutely, yeah. um, a- a- absolutely. Um, it's it, it's strange because. Um, my want for for knowledge and wanting to learn about a subject um, drives me to a point where sometimes I feel like I can't learn anything else. Um, and then I have to step away for six months, a year. Uh, that's that's the kind of the theme that goes with my writing in general. I'll be really on top. I'll be really hot on a topic for four months. I'll bang out a draft. And then I won't touch it for another two months. Um, Mostly because I need to step away from it. And, and, you know, other projects come up as they do. Um, But the one um, that I remember specifically that's still in the works, uh, Whispers, Mm -hmm. which we did a workshop of a couple of years ago. We've done a couple iterations of that play. Yeah, yeah. Um, Even so, I haven't touched that since since the last workshop of that. Just because I haven't felt, or I haven't found what's missing to it yet i don't have that missing piece of information yet um for myself and that's you know that's that's all right in my opinion at least (laughs) so was there anything before um the blues of theorons i know you wear many hats as i said earlier but was there any aspect of the other elements of theater you work in like acting directing all that Mm -hmm. that influenced the shift to writing um that might also just be my want to do everything. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, as Robert has mentioned, I, I wear a number of hats. Um, but I think for me, it's really just about theater and about art. Um, it's, it's another form of expression um, that just kind of, that kind of ties everything together and it helps. It's, it's the, the seed of the project. Um, the thing that really like, the, the thing that really starts everything um, and though and then from there you nurture it you bring in your director you bring in your technical technical team you bring in um, you bring in your actors you bring in everybody else you bring in the audience and for me kind of diving into what the basis of it is writing theater that's kind of what drew me to wanting to write a little bit more um, and then I think it also helps as as a director, as an actor, as a technician. I find if you have exposure in everything, if you have a little background in everything, you're going to be a much more complete uh, theater artist. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, um, we worked with uh, with John Clancy before. He mm-hmm. flat out said, like, any any director needs to be a stage manager at some point. Yeah. Any, you know, th- a- a- any two roles in theater that work closely together needs to put on the other hat at some yeah. point to fully know one understand what the other's going through and two know what you're putting that other person yeah. through if you're in that position absolutely um so do you have a uh i know a lot of your subject matter um 
kind of tends to go to a slightly dark area. Do you have a <laughs> specific genre you like to write in, or do you let the subject matter kind of dictate the tone of the piece? I that's that's a tough question because that's something that I myself wonder about a lot as well. Um, and you're absolutely right; like a lot of what I write has a darker edge to it. Um, punk rock is a little bit different because yes, it's it's very hindering on that dark edge um, definitely dips into the darker side of things but then you have whispers which is a full-blown like horror show yeah um, so I think I think it's really just it is kind of an influence on um, what the piece needs to be um, and I won't get into it too much right now but there's another project that I'm working on currently that is very dark again and will definitely be like like the plan for it is very dark and very outrageous but it's also going to be light and fluffy at times and it's going to be very strange um all right which is exciting which is one of my favorite types of uh yeah. theater yeah um well awesome well uh in that case why not just uh segue right into specifically punk rock story what sure. can you tell us about uh that play um so punk rock um I, I think I should preface this because this um, wasn't uh, knowledge to the people who originally read this. Okay. Um, punk rock is actually going to be a part of a trilogy. Okay. Um, so there are some things that I allude to in it that won't be, um, that we won't know right away. Um, okay. This is actually, punk rock is actually the middle portion of the story. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so there's there's a, a a setup which the scene we will get to um, kind of alludes to, um, but we won't get into too much detail about what like the prequel and the sequel is going to be for it. Or um, so, are you envisioning it as three separate pieces or like a three act play that can be performed? It um it can be performed at once, um, but it can be performed either all three of the stories are going to be their own story in themselves. Oh, yeah. um, they're just going to influence one another. If you want to perform the trilogy, then absolutely do it. But right. it's not uh, it's not required. Um, but I think anybody that would want to read it should read the entire thing just to know the full story arc for some of these characters. I think um, that's really interesting because they're like I. I just reading that alone without that knowledge, I would have the fear of, you know, questions being unanswered mm -hmm. or things not being clear. But if it's a trilogy, mm -hmm. that uh, that opens up the possibility of having a uh, a lot more information. Yeah. So yeah. Um. Well, before we talk more about punk rock, can you just describe the premise of it, just so the listeners sure. will know what to expect sure so uh punk rock is a story about these four um mid to late 20s individuals um each of whom have a lot of personal trauma that they are trying to deal with um some handle it through drugs some handle it through outright aggression um some embrace change and that's what this piece is really about. It's really about finding yourself, finding who you are and trying to be a better person because of that. Because sometimes you have to face the things that are scary, um, like, like drug abuse and drug addiction. Um, the lead character in this is 
I, I say it outright. He is very addicted to to heroin, um, and he struggles with that throughout the entire course of the show. Um, so I think, yeah, it's it's really just about finding yourself and facing those challenges head on. Now, you said earlier that um, many of the plays come about because of a desire for you to know more information. Mm-hmm. Was there... I know there's a lot of things going on in this. There is drug addiction mm-hmm. and finding yourself a thing. Was What specifically uh, brought this story about, or was it a combination of all of that? It was, it was a combination of a number of things. Um, drug addiction... Um, and it, drug addiction and the other big factor was actually um, uh, transgender people. Um, and I had uh, worked very closely with someone um, who started her process um, right around the time where I started to become interested and I started to mm-hmm. want to learn more. Um, and she was a big um, help in just talking with her about it and understanding what her journey was like. Um and I think it kind of led me to a point where I was like, this is really cool. I need to write, I need to write something about this. Um, and that's kind of what drove me to that. Um, and why people make these, why people, why people want to explore that and what it is. And right. um, trying to just understand what, what it is that, what it is. Um, because me, like I'm, uh, you can't tell because I'm just, you can only hear my voice, but I am a white straight male, um, hetero male. And so as somebody who, um, who people might say that guy doesn't know anything about this, that's not me. I want to learn everything. And uh, again, I think it's that need to want to learn as much about anything as I can. I think that that's a trap that, um we fall into sometimes mm-hmm. because um you know they're on both ends of the coin you know i'm a you know i'm a also a white man but i'm gay um and there are some issues in other cultures in the black community the trans community and things like that um where on the one hand you've got people who claim that they know everything about this mm-hmm. issue and they really don't and on the other hand, you've got people who also are not connected saying, well, you're not allowed to have an opinion on it. And yep. I, think it's a, I think it's a really, really tough and really fine line you have to draw because it's, it's, one, thing to, it's one thing to make assumptions on the subject. It's another right. to have that genuine interest to be informed. And I, right. like, there are many issues where when it comes to race or gender things like that there are many issues that i am very passionate about and will offer my support to but i also understand that i am not the authority to speak on it i i just want to make sure that when i come across those situations my my support is known and it's not interpreted as i know best so exactly um yeah i think i think that's a uh that's a very real. That's a very real trap, um, and I find myself also, like, on both ends of that trap as well. Um, I, again, can't get into too many details with all this, but um, there is somebody who does feel that about me that I can't be writing about something like this, right? And I shouldn't be writing about something about this because I 
haven't experienced it personally. But for me, writing is not about a personal experience. Right. It is about exploring these characters and exploring what make these people tick. It has nothing yeah. to do with me. It has everything to do with these people that I'm creating. Well, I think then, again, the, the issue there is um, finding that line between writing about something that they may or may not have the authority on and writing about it correctly. I mean, there was... Mm-hmm. Uh, I, had, I had an issue with a very obscure reference, but with the show Glee, there were a lot mm-hmm. of very progressive uh, things about gender and sexuality and race yeah. in that show. Um, there were also some things that came about that I disagreed with, like the way the characters would speak about bisexuality and mm-hmm. like dismissing it. And I remember our... Uh, mutual professor and friend Ethan Krupp had uh, pointed this out to me uh, by saying, you know, listen, when I was in high school, I said a lot of stupid things. These are high school students speaking, you know, the way high school students do. Mm-hmm. And I, I get that, but and I said, you know, I totally understand, but when you're a writer mm-hmm. with a far-reaching voice, if you're going to do that, if you're going to put that kind of, like, this is just the way people think... You need to somewhere else in the episode have somebody else say the opposite end. Right, right. Because if not, you fall into that trap of the audience thinking this is what you, the writer, feels about yeah. this subject. Yeah. So I think that's that's very tricky too because you don't want to make it too heavy-handed, but you also want to make sure that the people who are being marginalized and the people who are affected the most by these comments aren't further hurt by them right. so absolutely i can't imagine how hard that is to right. put into words when you're writing yeah no but i i totally get where like i i totally understand what you're coming where you're coming from with that um and i absolutely agree i feel like like it's it's one of those really fine lines of is it is it the character or is it the writer commenting on it and I think one of the things that definitely alleviates that is exactly what you said. Um, having another character kind of um, uh, have the opposite thought yeah. process. Not thought process, but you know what I mean with that. No. Um, a, a difference of opinion. No, not an opinion. I don't even know. A different point of view. I think, yeah, I, I get what You know what I'm yeah, going yeah, for. Yeah, no. Yeah, and it's, 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 it's tough. And it's, it's another, it's tough in a play or a TV show where you have such a limited, finite amount of time yep. to get all those viewpoints across. But no, I agree. It is definitely important to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Honestly, like, like I, uh, one of the things that I, I've also realized within the last, like, year or so, I really like it when people tell me I'm wrong. Um, because then I go, why? Why am I wrong? Tell me more. Yeah. Tell me, tell me exactly why I'm wrong. Um, and I think, like, especially with this piece particularly, the, the feedback was very interesting. Um, but we can, we can get into that later. That's all right. <laughs> um, well, we've got uh, a lot of exciting things to talk about with our current project coming up. So let me just wrap up on punk rock real mm-hmm. quick by asking you to set up the scene that we're about to hear. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so this little scene... Um, First, I should also say that this um, this show doesn't have any scene breaks. Um, it is all just continuous action, more or less. Uh, 
won't spoil spoil any surprises. Um, but with this scene particularly, um, Stevie has just returned with a 12-pack of beer and a fifth of whiskey. Um, they're about to... Christian, Stevie, and Lily are about to enjoy a night of partying and hanging out and um, talking and, you know, just being friends, um, figuring their lives out. Um, and in this scene, we find out a little bit more about Christian's past um, and something that might come into play in a new play. All right, awesome. Let's take a listen. Stevie barges through the door. He has with him a 12-pack of Paps Blue Ribbon and a fifth of Jim Beam. What'd you get? I figured the citywide special would be good for the evening. Nice. I do what I can. While we're waiting for Dina, why don't you play something for us, Christian? Uh, I don't know about that. Oh, come on. I'm sure it's great. I, I can't. Not now. Would you stop being a pussy and play something? I don't want to. It's not like you have anything else going on. Oh, besides all the drugs. Yeah, what's up with that? Nothing. I'm... Just in a bit of a funk right now. Christian. All day, that's all you do. You tell me that you work on your music, but whenever I come around, you're just about to get fucked up. The least you could do is let us hear something that you've been working on. I just don't want to play anything. Jesus Christ, dude. Wait, you do this every day? Are you not working anywhere? Yeah, no, I haven't been working for a little while now. Why? He doesn't even really need to work. What do you mean? Ever since the accident. Accident? What accident? You never told her about it, Christian? It, it happened right after you moved. Uh, you were busy. What accident? Besides, I didn't want many people knowing about it. It was embarrassing. Christian, what happened? Tell her, man. I was on my way home from my buddy's place. We'd just been jamming for a while. I went to catch the 32. When I get on, there's one other person on. I guess it was pretty late. Anyways, uh, felt the bus accelerate, kind of took a tumble. Turns out I messed my shoulder up pretty bad. Oh my god. That, that's not even the end of it. My dad, being the way he is, convinced me to sue. We went to trial, I ended up settling, got some money. That's why I don't really need to work for the time being. I can't believe you never said anything to me. You had just moved. You were busy. Didn't you go to trial? That would have taken months. I didn't want people to know it was me. But he told me. He wanted, he wanted me to know, right, Christian? What? Yeah, I guess. There's a knock at the door. Listen, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't say anything, Lily. Just go answer the damn door. And we're back. So, let us transition back into a subject that you've probably seen <laughs> popping up on our Facebook and <laughs> on this podcast before. Uh, our first production, which is coming up in the fall... Suicide Stories. Um, yes. I guess I should put the caveat there when I say first production. Um, as you've known, as we've discussed on our site, on this podcast, we have had several, several uh, very successful workshops mm -hmm. and stage readings. Um, this, What sets this apart is that this is going to be our first original, fully staged, well... That's mm, that's a tricky way to say it. Our first original piece <laughs> with very unique piece. with very unique staging. Yes. Um, and <laughs> Phil, can you? We had Lauren on before, who um, is the director of the piece. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about your role and involvement with the project and the history of the project? Sure, sure. Um, so I am the uh, the producer and the assistant director. Um, 
I basically make sure that everything is up and running and everything's okay and everybody gets paid. Uh, mostly, mostly that. Um, and as AD, you know, I'm helping at Lauren doing everything else that she needs help with um, and offering advice and talking things through uh, with the actors and doing good stuff like that. Um, so Suicide Stories was first talked about a long, long, long time ago. Um, yeah, we were talking, Lauren and I were talking on the last episode she was on. It was that was one of the probably earliest ideas within the company. I think I think it was um, with, because we did Foothills, and then I think we, we all took a step back and we were trying to figure out what we wanted to do. And this kind of, this, this idea for something like Suicide Stories first started to brew around that time. Um, nothing really came to fruition for a while just because we were young individuals trying to figure out our lives and yeah. figure out everything else that was going on with it, uh, which we still are, not the point. Um, but, so that's when it started. Um, then the following year, I believe we were, we slated to do it um, as a production, if I'm remembering correctly, but plans fell through. Um, and it's actually very interesting because we were actually um, going to be talking with one of our... At the time, we didn't really know who this person was, um, but uh, someone else had a very similar project. Um, his name is Kevin White. Um, he wrote a story... or um, He had collected something very similar right. to Suicide Stories, and so we were going to do a collaboration with him um, as a part of this. Plans fell through... Um, Honestly, it was it was my fault. Um, I couldn't go to the meeting, so things didn't quite work out. Um, oddly enough, I ended up meeting Kevin White a couple of months later, getting cast in that show, um, and didn't put two and two together until our second or third rehearsal um, with with him. Um, and it's actually very cool now because Kevin is one of our playwrights for Suicide Stories. Um, and that's another really interesting thing about the development of this is that we started this out with a very different, uh, a very, very different Laramie idea. project like uh, idea, which I thought was it was very ambitious and it was it was not a bad idea at all. Mm -hmm. But I am very very happy with how the show developed. Um, so Agreed. can you talk a little about the the difference between our initial concept and the uh, what? What the product kind of come to yeah. fruition? Yeah. So our original idea was to go out and collect actual stories about suicide. Um, people who had been affected in every aspect. Um, people who had attempted. People who uh, who had survived. People who uh, were affected in any way, shape, or form. Um, the issue that we ran into was we didn't have enough people want to talk about it. Um, and which was kind of a blow to us because we're, we're Elephant Room Productions. Like, this is what we're supposed to be yeah. doing. We're supposed to be talking about this. Um, so we kind of had to change our plans around um, from there. So we realized then that we kind of had this arsenal of playwrights um, that have worked with us in the past. They had either submitted pieces to, uh, to us. Um, we had workshopped their pieces. We had done weekend workshops uh, with stage readings. And we decided that instead of just collecting these stories, why not ask these playwrights to write something for us 
can absolutely be inspired by true events. Doesn't need to be. Right. Um, and I think we have a really interesting blend of yes. there, there are things that are definitely influenced by uh, real things. There are also things that um, are influenced by just kind of the greater culture yeah, of absolutely. the topic. Absolutely. Um, and I think like that's, for me, like that's one of the most fascinating things that um, even going into this project, um, Lauren and I were just talking about this uh, a week or two ago. I, I can't remember exactly. Um, but suicide has affected everyone in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, every person has a story about this. And it's so interesting to me to have all of these playwrights come in uh, all nine of these playwrights come in and bring to us such unique and different stories um for me like like i i love every single one of these pieces and i think every single one of them is fantastic and it's going to be amazing um but the development of these pieces going from point A to point B to point C to, I'm pretty sure we're at point F, mm-hmm. something like that by now. Who knows? Who knows how many other things are going to change with this process? Hopefully not too much with the writing, but... <laughs> yeah. No, the the pieces are all in a great spot, too. Yeah. And it was, it was an interesting process to see that grow and develop, see how yeah. those pieces uh, added, subtracted, uh, right. changed some of their you know character things yeah um speaking of kevin like like for just using him as an example like to see the development of his piece specifically like it was just fascinating um but then i can also i can say that about every single one of those pieces um for me like just seeing uh these playwrights take in our criticisms and thoughts about pieces our questions about pieces um and then seeing like what ends up changing, what ends up getting cut or added, um, it's such a cool process, and I hope like that this process only continues to grow um, because this is this is truly a, a unique piece. Oh, absolutely! Um, no, I've I've never seen anything like this. And yeah, and everybody that I've talked to about it, like when I tell them about like first the topic, they're like, "Oh yeah, suicide. I get it. Cool." Yeah. And then. And then we add in the layer of not only is this going to be performed for you, but there are also going to be art. Like there are going to be pieces of art being created in front of you while this is happening. When that when that detail is brought into play, people go, oh my God, that is yeah, that, amazing. That is the most, that's the most ambitious part to me of this project. Yeah. And I mean, obviously we don't want to go too specific into detail about the art mediums. Right. Um, we want to save something. We, we want you to come to Fringe. We want you to see this beautiful yeah, production. Yeah. Um, but can you talk a little bit um, uh, in slightly vague terms about what uh, what you mean by art mediums and art being created? Sure. So um, there are going to be, for each of these um, monologues slash scenes that we have that are being performed, these nine uh, monologues and scenes there is going to be a specific art medium attached to each one of these scenes and monologues. Um, Some, you might have somebody painting in front of you. You might have somebody creating a clay sculpture. Um, You might see somebody playing around with charcoal or photography. I've got, we've got tons of ideas in plan. Um, 
But the driving force behind that idea was the healing power of art and what art does for another person and how art can get can help so many people get through so many things um and the saving power of art i think like that's that's what it is for me that is the the driving force behind bringing in those mediums um but exactly what you said like it is a very ambitious task um and then to also have all of these scenes being performed simultaneously, like it's going to be a very interesting time. And I am, I'm very excited to see how we get it all together mm-hmm. and to see the development. Um, at the time of this recording, which is July 9th, I believe we have our first read through with the cast tonight. Is that that right? is correct. Um, uh, so, yeah. What made the theater happen? So this is going to be, yeah, this is going to be the first rehearsal for this show. This um, We've invited all of the playwrights. Um, I don't expect all of the playwrights to be there, mostly because some of them are in Texas and in New York and in California. Um, so I don't expect all of the playwrights to be there. Um, but we're also bringing in the entire actor, the entire crew, um, getting everybody acquainted so we can all take on this really amazing project and it's exciting and one more thing um the last hat i want to talk about one of the Mm -hmm. most important things you do um involves our finances Mm -hmm. um i was just wondering if you could speak a little about uh fractured atlas and how we do what we do sure um so elephant room productions is a fiscally sponsored project through Fractured Atlas. What that means is basically they take care of all of our 501c3 stuff. Um, They allow us to raise money for our projects, for uh, our weekend workshops, for suicide stories. Um, And they make our lives so much easier um, because without them, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. Um, And they have been... They have been a blessing in disguise for us. They've helped us every step of the way, helping us manage our funds, helping us raise funds, and making sure that we are taking care of all this stuff. Um, but uh, but yeah, so the way the way our relationship works with them is they provide the service and they take a percentage of the funds that we raise. Um, it, it, it's really valued on how much we make during that time um so i'm not going to go into the specific details of that because it's boring and it's numbers who wants to talk about numbers not me that's not true i want to talk about numbers um so fractured atlas is wonderful they really have been a great help to us um and as robert mentioned yeah so the biggest one of the biggest things that i do is i make sure that we have money for all these projects um so I have myself and a couple of other people, Lauren and Kat um, and Chris, we all kind of tag team certain things. Uh, I work with Chris a lot, um, just making sure that things look okay and things are approved and everything, and everything looks a-okay. Um, but we do we raise our funds through uh, crowdfunding campaigns, um, stuff like Indiegogo and Kickstarter. Um, that's how we've raised most of our funds at this point. Um, excuse me. Um, But then we also are in the process of looking for sponsors. Uh, One of the great things that happened uh, just a month ago, just about a month ago, um, we had our Midsummer Night's Cabaret, which 
which went wonderfully. Yeah, um, that was a lot of fun. It was a great time, um, and we were able to bring in some really awesome um, beer sponsors for us, um, and they each created a featured beer for us um, that we were able to uh, give out throughout the night to our patrons um, and everybody else involved. And uh, so we're definitely exploring more sponsorship options. Um, on top of that, we are also um, very, we were very, very lucky to uh, recently come across a couple of um, organizations and individuals who have offered to match us um, with our next crowdfunding campaign. So that is a very exciting thing. So that means we only need to raise potentially half of what our needed goal is right now. Um, and we still need funding, so uh, yes. <laughs> always, always got to put a plug in for that. Um, but the link for our donations page can be found on the Elephant Room Productions homepage. Um, you scroll down to the bottom and it says Fractured Atlas, and you click that button and it'll take you to our page and you can donate right there. Um, and all those donations are, of course, tax deductible. Always a good thing to point out. Always. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's just like most things in the art most theater um we can't do this without you no. so any any of our patrons and supporters uh know we appreciate everything you do for us yeah um well i am incredibly excited i can't believe it's finally gotten to be a point where we are putting basically our first project uh into effect mm -hmm. so Let's wind it down, wrap it up on <laughs> a lighter note. Um, I've done the uh, I've done the share of drink with a uh, player yes. or a character with yes. you before. Why don't we mix it up to if you could take the place of a character in a play, who would it be? If I could take the place of a character in a play. Yeah. I know. I always. I. I. I never prep. For these questions, I, I don't. I so, always, I always just throw <laughs> these obscure questions at people, expecting no, them to is, be able to pull something out. This is great because it's it's making me really think about this, and this yeah. might um, this might show if if you know this play, mm -hmm. um, this might show why I got my nickname um, yeah. in college for everyone who doesn't know, which I assume is most people. Yeah. Um, I lovingly got the nickname uh, Weasel because I always find a way to weasel my way into things, supposedly. Um, um, but the character that I'm thinking about, I actually got to play him, um, when I was an intern at BTE, um, in a play that I can't remember the name of now. Crap. Um, but I know the name is David. Okay. Um, Manuscript. That's what it is. Oh, I remember Manuscript. that Manuscript. Um, and I got to play that character and he's a very Weasley kind of character. Yeah. And I think, I think... I think it'd be fun. <laughs> just, to, just to live his life? Just to live his life. I mean, he's a writer in New York who takes revenge on people who steal work, his work from him. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with, I think I, uh, I think I may have done, uh, I may have said this in the Christmas episode, um, but I'll stick with it again. Um, I'd be Harry Potter because Cursed Child is a play now. <laughs> Canonically, he is a part of the theater world. And, who wouldn't want to be Harry Potter, except for the obvious answer, which is Harry Potter? Yeah. yeah. Actually, come to think of it, I don't. Now I don't know that I would want to be Harry Potter. But you already said it. You committed. Damn it! All right. Well, <laughs> I. Well, I'll tell you what. I would probably be a better Harry Potter than Harry is. I don't think there's much arguing there. Um, 
Well, once again, thank you, Phil, for coming on today. Thank you, Robert. Um, and I'm sorry I can't be at the rehearsal tonight, but uh, here we go. Into here the, we into go. The, down the road of the next amazing journey. Um, well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in again. We'll be back next month. And remember, for any aspiring playwrights out there, please, if you have a play to submit to us, send it to us at erpsubmissions at gmail.com. Remember, every story deserves to be heard, so join our elephant herd today. Until next time, this is Robert Jean Pelleccio signing off.